We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Podcast audio quality, like Arsenal's domestic cup season, goes down the drain. This is the Arsenal Vision Postmatch Podcast. My name is Alex Smith, the Bachman, Twitter, Yankee Gunner. I'm going to make this really brief. Um, I'm in the middle of a pretty big uh, emergency with my work life, which <laughs> I actually still have one, as weird as that sounds. Uh, I don't think in the entire time we've been doing this podcast, it's really interfered, but it's interfering now. So it's not a lot of fun. Uh, the most important things are people are healthy, people are safe, everything's going to be good, the podcast will carry on. But today, you are going to get the instant reaction with Paul, Clive, and Scott from yesterday as your podcast. And I hope patrons will forgive me and understand that it's the only way we can put a podcast out. And I hope everyone else will appreciate that we are trying to get you a podcast today so that we we carry on. Um, because it was a hell of, of an occasion last night. Obviously, very disappointing result uh, in light of what happened in the first leg, especially, and how much work went into it. But even beyond that, losing Thomas Party to a red card with Shaka obviously being gone because of red cards. There's additional Shaka stuff and, and Arsenal-related stuff in the ether, um, but we are not going to touch on that today for the reasons that we're not even really putting out a brand new podcast today. But next week, we'll maybe get into that. We're going to talk the transfer window as it, it starts to wrap up. Maybe last night is a strong indication that we do need to strengthen but who knows after the international break with everyone back we go back to playing like we did against manchester city in the weeks before and suddenly everything feels back on track it's just a very very weird january with red cards and postponements and um you know party flying back from the afcon only to not be available for burnley because he plays a few minutes in the league cup just a very very weird situation and the only people rubbing their hands together with glee right now are the amazon documentary makers so Good for them. I might be skipping the January episode, but we'll see. So let me turn it over to Paul, Clive, Scott. I'll come back at the end to say goodbye to you, but I just want to say thank you to everybody for putting up with this as your pod. Obviously, their audio quality will be fine. Sorry about mine. I'll say goodbye to you in a minute. Here are the guys. After a result that only Scott Willis could could enjoy, Arsenal bow out of the Carabao Cup competition. Yep, we lose to the mighty Liverpool, but I'm sure Scott Willis had it in his model and uh, he's about as excited as he was when uh, Tottenham got two goals back in 30 seconds last night. Um, not to give it away, but that means, yes, Scott's on the podcast today. Are you there, Scott? Yeehaw! I'm excited. I, I was fun, right? No, it wasn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good man. Look, Elliot's not going to join us today, so uh, you, you can still block him. You know where to find him. Block him. But uh, this is Paul, pausing in my pants. I'll be... Uh, running the controls today and joining me is Scott and also Clive. Hello, Clive. Hello, hello. I got nothing to say. I'm depressed. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. What's the problem with these bloody instant reaction podcasts? It's like 
you know, I need about an hour or two to lick my wounds. Like you lose once, you got to lose again, right? So, yeah, I'm I'm a bit of a jinx, uh, a Jonas, and on us today on the podcast today with us today is our Judas Scott. So, uh, last minute joining with us here. Look, um, this this was a tough result. Um, I know our energies were high. I, we were optimistic. We were enthusiastic, but we didn't have a midfield. Um, and so here's my little take on it. Um, and maybe I'll lead off with my, my headline to get things going. So my headline basically revolves around the fact that uh, when you press the pressers and Liverpool are the press masters, maybe this is what happens um, and maybe we didn't show them the respect, n- not from the team or from Arteta or from the lineup, but the the supporters. It's not our job to be showing them respect. But it, did we think we were we progressed further than, w- than we have already? I think we're still learning where we're at, and uh, w- we saw a team in Liverpool that uh, when they went through the gears. We still can't quite live with them. And so that was kind of my takeaway from from this game and my headline. Um, They're not just good at pressing, they're good at playing, and they're good at playing through the lines, and they have some world-class players, even when they don't have Salah. I think Jota's an able deputy for Mane and Firmino stepping in to the starting lineup. You've you've got a hell of a team there. So that was my take from it. Uh, Clive, do you want to give us your headline? May I, I've got loads and loads of headlines, um, mm. but I'll just I, if I just pick on one, it's not because I'm picking on an individual. It's just uh, it is important that when you play football, you ha- you have a centre forward, and I think it, it is important to this team. I think um, last week we watched Lacazette play an unbelievable game in a different way, but tonight we needed something else. And it, I don't think it's a night to judge people um, because it's obvious to the human eye we had some players in, in condition and some players out of condition. They're on the team sheet. Their names are written down. They made us all feel comfortable, but their legs weren't available to play. And the intensity by which we played last week, well, it's the Liverpool team that maybe had some issues regarding training and fitness, which is massively different to the intensity that we could play tonight. And... We couldn't sustain the effort, so my headline is a, a headline that could be seen as unfair from, from by some people, but I think if you look forward and project forward, this team has got lots of potential, young defenders, I'm not bad midfield when they're not red-carded, and some very nice attacking mids and wide players, but we haven't got a centre-forward, and I think it really makes... It's the next step. We all know it. I'm telling you something that every single listener knows. But on days like this, especially the very, very best teams, where you might get one or two chances, we haven't got that guy. Yeah, because when you look at it, um, I, I agree with everything you said there. And in the middle of that was something that said not to pick on individuals. And on the one hand, I feel very much that way. You could You could pick on a bunch of our players in this for a moment, a mistake or whatever. And yet it seems like a collective difference between the two teams on the one hand. And then on the other hand, you look at Liverpool and uh, they had a striker take a couple of worldy touches and a worldy and fluky finish. But that's basically the equivalent of two worldy, worldy finishes, whether by luck or by genius. And we had a moment or two and we didn't put it away. And Laka had one of those moments. You know, to be fair to him, he hits the crossbar off the free kick. But in open play, which is where these this game was really decided, um, we lacked the the centre forward, and they had the wide forward who got into the the positions and uh, did the business. I guess that's that's another way of slicing it. Scott, what's your take on that? And then um, lay your headline on us. So this is this is a hard one to actually make a headline for. And um, going back to my journalism classes, this probably wouldn't um, cut mustard right here, I'd say. Um, Liverpool 
finish their chances. I think that's that's really the the big story of this. I don't think there was a ton separating the two teams. I think that overall it was a, a fairly even affair. But Liverpool had two clear chances, finished one of them. Arsenal had one clear chance and missed it. Uh, I think that that really is the the story of the game where it's you look at I think just the overall match. I think there really wasn't a ton separating them. Um, I think there was a, a couple slips, um, a couple kind of a, one fluky kind of miss kick that ended up in the goal. And that was really how things changed. And that's what, you know, was actually the difference between the two teams, because I didn't think that Arsenal really got pl- outplayed here. I thought, they were okay, but I think, yeah, Clive's point was absolutely right. Like the names on the team sheet looked good, but the performances were not at the levels that we expected. Uh, I think you could definitely tell that Arsenal have not been on the training ground together with all of these people. Um, and that we've been massively affected by the injuries and everything that we've had. I thought it was overall a, a solid performance and it really just came down to two moments. Yeah, uh, like when I think of their two moments, I mean, the second one comes because we're really going for it because they've already got their goal, right? Um, you could almost argue it came down to uh, one moment each, th- their moment in the first half and our lack of moment in the second half. Now, I suspect that the strength of, of their team and their experience probably would have paid off in the end, but their second big moment comes from us kind of overloading, pushing up. Tommy Asu's up, so because we're on the count. You know, we lose the ball uh, thinking we're going to attack, so we've got totally the wrong shape at the back, and they do us again. Um, but uh, honestly, uh, I guess I suspect in the end that the strength of their team and their ability to string passes together, they would have found a way one way or another. But you could argue that their second opportunity came because we were chasing the game. But um, with that said, um, Clive, why don't you lead us off with your stock rising? Um, my stock rising. I'm gonna, I'm gonna pick. Um, I'm gonna pick uh, Martin Odegaard. And yeah, choice. Yeah. The I, I, I then I, I dread to think how many touches he has because I haven't got my apps open to see. But that's why if he's not, our, if he's not our top passer top touches then i'm not watching the right game right so it's it's very close so yeah i have him with 74 touches uh gabrielle 75 ben white 77 yeah and so. when you think how much time we spent knocking it around between our center back scratching our head trying to f- find a pass upfield that that's a hell of a statement that odegaard in midfield etc had that many touches yeah i thought he Obviously, he's not really a deep line midfielder, but he gave absolutely everything to the cause to get on the ball, to show personality, to receive it from everybody. I can't wait to see what the past maps look like. I think I went to a game recently, I can't remember which one, and I was watching the warm up, and Marvin West Ham actually, and I was watching the warm up, and I was watching him in the possession game, and I thought to myself, cracking, he looks like our best player. Yeah. Do, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And what I mean, you know when other players know he's the best player? They're like they were like chewing him, he's not making people, getting the ball. And then he was taking shots for the game, they're all going in and I thought to myself, gee whiz, he's he looks like our best player. Now we all know that Saka and Martelli have been flying and Spiffro have been scoring. We know that player to player respect that you see close up with your human eye. And I've been watching him since then and I'm telling you, tonight he looked like our best player. He looked yeah. like the best player in the club. Looked like the captain, you know. And um, and we all have our favourite players, you know. I'm, I'm not saying he he is the best player. You know that vibe that someone gives off. Yeah. And if he's doing that out of position when he's had one training session, that tells you about his professionalism, how he looks after himself. So we know there's been illness in the in the camp. We know there's been injury in the camp. We don't know anything about preparation of some of these players. That's why I'm loath to critique them until the story comes out but I thought he was fantastic and there's something happening here and I know if you don't mind Paul I just want to say that we're getting a bit of respect now so in the last game Saka and Martinelli ripped them in this game they literally put Curtis Jones one side and Gordon the other to double up with the fullbacks to nullify our wide men 
And then that meant we had to rely on Smithrow and Lacazette to penetrate through the middle. And we know that Smithrow's not ready. We know Lacazette didn't have his best game. And so suddenly they killed our danger men. They, although Marte was brilliant, but they focused on stopping those two guys and then said, go on then, what you got down the middle? And we had one chance and we blew it right on the free kick. So it's quite interesting. The next phase yeah. of this team is we're getting respect. We can't do it with the with the four kids anymore on their own. We need something else. I'm back where I was where I started. But Martin Odegaard had an announcement game West Ham away last season. And just because he lost his game, I hope people remember how well he played because his potential is is huge in my opinion, you know, maybe greater than what I originally thought when we signed him. So he's my stock rising. Yeah, I think that's the right answer. I thought he was superb in this, which is a weird thing to say given how we we struggled to create especially in the final third. Maybe Scott can talk a little bit about uh, final third entries and that kind of thing. Um, Clive, we were set up in a, it felt like very much and clearly a 4-4-2 with the two lads, Smith Rowe and Lacazette up front. And the other thing that struck me was we went for it in terms of pressing right from the get-go. Um, and we had Martinelli left, Saka right, um, and I have a little sympathy for Lacazette in that if you think of his game, um, he was unfortunately in the in an area of the pitch where he was going to be up against VVD, Matip and Fabinho, which is a fairly uh, intimidating uh, group of players for him to make a difference in. And, you know, he did his thing with pressing or whatever, but he was just kind of, they saw him out of the game for me, but did you see this as a four four two? And um, like for me, we had to lean into the pressing thing. We had the kids. What we didn't have was our normal midfield or anything like our normal midfield. And so we leaned into the pressing. I'll, I'll let Scott. Have a, oh, sorry, Paul. I'll, I'll let Scott have a go after this quickly. But yeah. what I saw was us being aggressive, right? So yeah. trying to be front footed and, and making gambles. And I, I will. I do think we. I thought we overpressed last week. It cost us a Shaka goal, for most of you. I felt we overpressed that left-hand channel with Tierney and Gabriel. And I felt we, we did it a few times in this game as well. And I don't mind overpressing, but if you don't get it, smash people. Don't let them turn away and get out. Right? So I know we can't smash anybody without a yellow card, but you've got to do something. You've got to stop them early in the phases, and we don't. And so I would have done exactly the same, playing their half. We haven't got a midfield. We don't want them running through us, stress their exit exit passes and, and try to see if we can pick the ball up and create ways of attack. I done exactly the same thing, and it worked. But as when they scored, the air came out of the balloon, and yeah. I felt we started to look at our boots a little bit, and then we started to think, well, actually, I haven't trained that much, and I may not feel this good. And These boots that, feel heavy. That MRI scan I just had, maybe let me just check if I'm really going to, you know, ex, you know, extend myself. And it looked like that to me for a bit. Although the home crowd kept us going, but we needed something to happen, someone to do something spectacular. And it was going to be the two kids on the outside, and they were blocked off, you know. And then, so that was my issue, really. So, shape, Paul, it didn't, I, I don't focus on that so much. I look at the body language and the intensity. And we didn't have it. We didn't have it, you know. Um, but yeah, I, I yeah, just certainly thought... the air went out of the balloon after the the goal. The, so to your point, like overloading or or what would you say, overextending ourselves on the left hand side. Their goal, I mean, God, like the first goal. How do they squeezed it through our press? I don't know because if you look at it, like you you see these sketches on Twitter of like cover shadow and this and that, like we had them covered and the fucker squeezed it through to Firmino, who then flicks it onto Alexander, who has no business being in the center of midfield, but is, and then they carve us open from there. And I think Jota, that's a worldy touch he has the and the nutmeg. I know. I know that uh, Tommy Yasu got some, I wouldn't say stick. People said, oh, he look, it must be because he's tired or whatever. I mean, fucking hell, that nutmeg from Jota. Uh, I, don't, I don't know how fresh you have to be. It was just like perfect touch. His, 
he had two perfect touches, uh, one for each goal. But uh, I guess my the thing I'd really focus on is they had no business getting out of that press. That it was an, it was a decent press with decent shape, and they still fucking carved through us. So those boys know how to play under pressure. I think one of the things that you can say here is that sometimes you know people will just play perfect passes and will have perfect touches, and that can be a really good press sometimes like it's not that somebody made a mistake here i think it's sometimes that you just got to tip your hat to the other team when they do something really good i think joda was the best player on the field like i think that's just hard to you know kind of argue with he had um they looked for him because you know they're out with their their best players so he had to, to step up and he had two big moments where he changed things and i think sometimes that's just what happens. And yeah, I don't think that necessarily, yeah, I think Tomiyasi looked tired, but I don't think that those, or at least that one later on. Exactly. I don't think in that one moment, it was necessarily him making a mistake. I think it was Joda doing something amazing kind of yeah, thing. And, and then, they, yeah. And then he got, he I think he got wrong. lucky too, right? Yeah, at yeah. the end, like that, that goal, that's like that's not where he wanted to put it. That's not how he wanted to strike the ball, but it worked out. Yeah, I mean, maybe, uh, and I'd love to get Clyde's view on this, but maybe Tommy Yasso can run him slightly differently or something. But, like, that's so fucking tough when you're you're on the counter, you're scrambling. Uh, Alexander Arnold's in midfield um, where you're not ex- necessarily expecting him, where you're on the attack, you're pressing up, and the next thing you have to get everything just right with Jota. I mean, I just think yeah. it's... You got to be to expect perfection, and, and I always think that the attacker, especially if he's good, has the upper hand. If he does everything right, your fullback's going to have a bit of trouble. There's a couple of things that I noticed tonight. I think we overwatered the pitch because we yeah. kept slipping over. That's a definite. So I'll be talking to the groundsman. But on the goal, I tell you, I tell you, this is where naivety comes in. So when people look at players, they look at. They look at them on the ball. So Samuel Conga made a lovely ball to Lacazette and everyone's looking at him saying what a great player he is. And he will be a great player. But what he needs to learn is he needs to learn when to connect, when to disconnect from his man so he controls the central space and, and protects entry passes into their centre forward. So on the goal, what happened was Jordan Henderson drags Sambi out to right back area. Trent goes forward into the centre midfield area, into spaces where he was not really marked because he didn't, because the Marseille doesn't want to track him all the way back into the central zone inside. And so by emptying the centre midfield and Odegaard overpressed a little bit, they could find a, an entry pass into centre mid, a little flick round the corner, and we're one on one. Now, now we're one on one on the exterior with um, Tommy Asu and Jota and. Tommy Asu had to engage incredibly quickly, really quickly, so he doesn't get into his running. But because he's, which he normally does, he is so sharp defensive decisions. I mean, he just gets under you. But because he's not fit, he says, you know what, I'm going to hold off and see if he's going to run me. Well, he chops inside him, megs him, and goes in towards the goal. He slips over, loses the fact he can't get into a race with him. Now we're scrambling again. We're scrambling, but with a broken line because their movement has distracted us. Gabriel's slightly high. Ben White goes into I'm going to cover everything mode. Normally he hasn't got a problem because Tommy takes the man. But now we have to react. And we all try to react and squeeze into the centrals near zone 14. And he squeezes the shot in. I've just seen a goalkeeping coach online talk about um, Ramsdale and his positioning. And he sort of said basically he could have been a little bit high on that first shot. And because of the pace of the shot, if he was a little bit low, he'd just scoop that up. But I think he was a little bit unfortunate with that one, really, because it was a miss hit. But we are we're in a bit of a flat spot, lads. We generally are. And um, I think we need to really wash this one from our heads because we are, we're, we're jumping around a little bit back there, you know, trying to... Yeah. I will say, I will go back to health. We're not quite sure who's ready. So yeah. mm-hmm. that's, what, that's where my head is at the moment. Yeah, it does feel like a one-off game. That it doesn't mean it's that there isn't something significant here, but we won't know what it is for a while. This there's a one-off game. To me, there's there's pluses and minuses, and you can see a direction of travel that's good. 
uh, you can also see a couple of areas we can strengthen. So, Scott, who's your uh, stock rising? I'm going to take the obvious one. I'm going to say Gabrielle Martinelli is my stock rising here. Um, yeah. I don't know if you saw the the Klopp's comments here after the game. You know, I did taking not. taking a moment. You know, really calling him out, saying that he's going to be a special player because I think yeah. you can really see that they had to make obvious changes after there because they thought maybe Alexander Arnold could take him one on one, but I think after that first 20 minutes, you could see that every time. Arsenal were able to isolate Martinelli against Alexander-Arnold. Good things were happening for Arsenal. So you could see a lot more Jordan Henderson going over there to help. You could see a lot more of Curtis Jones going to to double up um, and really try to take the ball out of Martinelli's hands or you know feet and try to get him to make somebody else go do something. Um, I think that he was really kind of the, the main catalyst um, of our press. I thought that he did incredibly good. He was our most threatening player with his actions. Not the best at passing, but he got the ball and he drove forward significantly. Um, I think one of the shots that he had, I, he took a shot from a, a tight angle that he had, you know, really no chance of making close. And I, I think if you know their, their goalkeeper doesn't get fingertips on it, it sneaks in under the bar. And I thought that that was just audacious confidence to, to take that shot. And I think that's something that he just has when he goes to play is that he is full of confidence in his ability to make something happen and a lot of times with his hard work he he does make stuff happen for us alone so i think that this is another really good game for martinelli and i think that we've got a really special player that i'm very excited about yeah it, it seemed to me that by the way i think you both got the right answers those are the two standouts for me in terms of stocks rising um leaving me scratching my head and buying some time here but um, <laughs> what, what I definitely thought before this game was if we were going to have, if we were really going to get at them and impact them, it was with with the lineup we had, we had to press them. And then Ramsdale and co had to hit Martinelli. And I was just, given that, like Klopp has talked about Martinelli before, so he knew. So given that they knew and that they were already had their eye on him, the fact that Martinelli had so much impact and so much personality and so many of his first touches got them into trouble and had them scrambling. Um, I mean, I think he's special. And he's, you know, who who's our attacker? Who's our goal scorer at the moment? The, it's this guy. He's our, he's our wide forward who's our truly our kind of get him close to the center forward spot. He's the guy you expect to get you your goal. So I thought he was sensational. Uh, do you want to say anything on him, Clive? Yeah, I think I can't help but um, watch. Well, I'm Martinelli, right? Um, he is uh, was he Premier League Player of the Month or Fans Player of the Month? So he's no secret anymore. The secret's out, lads. It's out. Yeah, <laughs> everyone knows about him, and and he's 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 been including he's now the being, opposition, and he's yeah. still eye catching. And so now he has to learn to beat three men and get a shot off now, not just two. And that's that's his next challenge, right? So. Hence, you know, we, we got that's his next challenge. He's coming. I think so, the, or it's or it's learning to deal with that gravity, right? When he sucks players in to, you know, kind of change the shape of the defense, how to release yeah. that ball quicker, be able to take advantage of that, right? Yeah, like Saka does really. He he drags people over and he manages to find a little avenue to nick it out, then do a little one two, then he goes second phase, right? So it's the next phase of him. He's he's all good. He's twenty years of age. <laughs> There's no stress there. We just gotta sit back and and watch him smash these people because he's only gonna he's only gonna get better. So um yeah. So yeah, I just can't help but think when I'm watching this game, I know we're in the transfer window, but were you just thinking about what we need to do to make this all a bit better? Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? And well that's where that's where my head was and and again, we know that we weren't saying this last week, you know, apart from the fact our our de facto captain got himself sent off. We weren't saying too much of this last week because we, we gave absolutely everything that we had with the people that we had. But there are gaps here which are becoming really, really clear. And I don't think that's a bad thing, right? We just need to do it because every time we come up against those two particular City and um, Liverpool, they expose your edges. Do you know what I mean? They expose your edges in your squad and there's just no getting away from it. Yeah. Basically, I felt once or twice in this game, Liverpool showed how they could string it together. And like you just said, oh, okay, 
there, there's still there's still levels here to go. We're, we're getting closer, but but when they needed to, they had a couple of worldies do worldy things. Um, right. So my stock up. Um, I don't want to wimp out and pick somebody who's not on the pitch. I'm going to go with Sambi, not because I think across his whole game uh, he was great. Uh, he definitely had a couple of really dodgy, ropey moments. But I thought he grew grew into this game. And when you think about how he struggled um, in the league game against Liverpool, especially when the second half hit, like this is a guy who play, who was really our only proper midfielder. I thought Odegaard did really well in midfield, to be fair. But he was the only guy who was supposed to be responsible for that area of the pitch uh, as a seasoned pro. And I thought he grew into this game and like he lost Thomas Party late on in the game and was back to being our one-man midfield. And I just felt, I sensed that he was getting stronger in himself and helping us play around in the second half and looked like he was belonging, belonging there. And although I'm not saying he had a great game or lit us up in the second half, I did feel he grew a little bit in this encounter and uh, was a very credible performance and creditable uh, given given the kind of the task on his plate here. So if I had to pick a third, because I'm not the, I'm not rubbishing our players. Yeah, like it's not that I think the rest did badly. It's just you can't can't exactly give the other folks a thumbs up, even if it's a thumbs neutral. But I think Sambi, once he he got a couple of mistakes out of his game, um, I thought he was very creditable and looked the part as the game went on against. Like that's where that's where Liverpool hits you. Right in, right in the midfields. Right, that's where the pressure is. And I thought he's. It showed a, a maturity for a young lad to settle as the game went on. Uh, I think it's a good call because I think that's that would have been my third guy that I would have chose okay, to because yeah. I, I think there was a lot of good points. I mean, he was really the only recognized central midfielder on the pitch for Arsenal, and I thought that you know that's putting a lot of pressure on him, especially considering his last performance against Liverpool was was not great. So I think this was something that we saw good performance from him. I thought there was a couple of good moments where he was defensively aware covering for Tierney, where he kind of jumped passing lanes a couple of times. Um, I think one of the things that you kind of look for a midfielder in this kind of system is not giving the ball away. And I thought that he was uh, relatively safe on the ball. Um, he tried one dribble, he was completing it, didn't give the ball away in any situations here. So I think when you kind of look at what you wanted from him, he checked all the boxes, and I think you're right. He did grow into the game, and it didn't look like it was above him. And I think that's a, a, a real testament to him because this is a really tough matchup for him. And, you know, this is still a big jump for a young player who, you know, hasn't had these kind of experiences. Yeah, he's, he's standing in the eye of the storm in, in this particular game. And I, the fact that he grew into it instead of shrinking says a hell of a lot. Um, right, that's the easy part of it out of the way. Let's get to stocks falling. I'm sure you can think of one, Clive. Not, not that we want to, like, I think overall... It, this is Clive's favorite part, right? Yeah, yeah. O- no, uh, overall... This is yeah, easy stuff. Well, There's a few, isn't there, really? I'm not going to go with, this, with the forward one because, you know, I think... I don't think it's interesting, if I'm honest with you, <laughs> and because we all sort of know. I'm going to pick one for interest and discussion. So I'm going to pick Gabriel, and I don't think he was, like, disastrous at all. And I still think he's, our, you know, probably our best one-on-one defender. But I think he's become a little bit uh, erratic and less smooth. And he, I, I thought he got rid of this. So... And whether this is instruction or not, I just felt um, some of his decisions to go and get the ball were a little bit iffy. And you, sometimes you have to say to someone, and I know why this is, a knock-on effect. When you look in front of you, you don't see a midfielder stature. What you do is you go in there to go and get the ball. Right? It's a knock-on effect of losing your senior midfield players. It's significant, huge, huge impact to the back line. They immediately try and do one-and-a-half jobs and try to jump in and go and get people. When they see their midfielders in front, they say, he's coming, he's coming, left shoulder, right shoulder, right shoulder. And but when they see a youngster in there, who had a good game, by the way, Martin Odegaard is two stone three, they want to go and help them. 
Right? And I felt it just it just it it was a problem. I thought it was a problem last week, and I think this is something that needs to be coached back. Remember, Paul, we were talking about Ben White going to get the ball, intercepting, and then driving on. And I quite like that because I think Ben White's decisions are better when to go and press in. And I trust Gabriel at the back door. He's faster, stronger, he's really good in one-on-one tackles. When Gabriel presses in, he gets sent off. Right? And this happened against Southampton last year, happened against Man City this year. He's so aggressive, wants to win it, doesn't know when to slow down and just let people have it. And I just think he needs someone to tap him on the shoulder and say, mate, just look after the back door for us. No one's going to run you. You know, you can go and get anybody. But if you're halfway at the pitch, you can't, you can't make the distance up. So it's more discussion yeah, I, point. I maybe a discord. Calcu- Clive, I'm just going to say on that, I was going to do a little calculation at one stage on uh, Gabriel to see kind of disciplinary per minute. He probably runs uh, Chaka a, a close second on red cards per minute played. I mean, he he definitely has it in him. And that's mm. that's not getting Chaka off the hook. That's... That's no. putting Gabriel I, I, on a hook near him. Now he's younger and he he can learn and all that. He'll kind of learn. Stuff, he's he's twenty three, yeah. right? He's got awesome. He's got awesome abilities. It's more for the, you know, the Discord guys to to discuss it really and see if I'm touching on something. It's easier to pick. There are obvious players tonight that were under the weather and didn't play well. But yeah. I want to choose that guy because I think. It's important we get it right. He's here for the for the forever. <laughs> Do you see what I mean? And I think it's important we get it right. So I'll I'll be interested to see what Discord guys think if I'm going going in the right path there or not. Very good, Scott. <sighs> I think I'm going to go with Ben White here. I, I think it's again for a lot of the the similar reasons. We didn't play with a you know a, a lot of experience in midfield and i think that this was a game where i think we we needed more from our center backs to be able to to help us to help move the ball up the field and i i I guess i just expected more from ben white to be able to help in the passing being able to do that i thought it was just okay it's it's tough to say it's a stock falling because i you know i don't think he was necessarily bad i think he had one bad moment on um where joda beat him um and he just kind of gave up um i think that was a a tough one to to see from him because i think other than that i thought his defending was was okay again but i think this was one where he's our our, I guess our center back for the future kind of our thing. And I think, you know, same thing with what Clive was talking about with, with Gabrielle, where I think we have high expectations for both of these. Um, we know that there was a lot of people that were coming back from injury or coming back from COVID, didn't have a lot of training sessions. And these were guys that I think that we were all looking for to give us bigger performances and i think that it was just a little bit of a letdown and it's it's tough to to put that on him but i think that you know we needed more in this match for him to be able to to help push the ball up the field for us yeah it was a it was a funny one the jada versus white moment i think it was over by the the touchline wasn't it and it was almost like he got head faked but still it looked a little soft uh how 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 far White fell behind him once Jada went past him. It looked you kind of give up, right? Yeah. So here's it. But to your bigger point about the center backs helping upfield, what struck me on that because the, they were obviously the quite a few moments they'd step on the ball and kind of scratch their heads who who they who or how they were going to pass. And you'd look at the Liverpool shape, and it's superb. Like they're obviously what they do is they press teams playing out from the back. And even if it wasn't the most aggressive press they were doing at times, their shape, it's like, it looked like they had 13 players on the pitch. Um, And after a while, it's almost like, one of the things that happens to a team playing our side of of the coin is that after a while you stop making the runs because there's no bloody point, (laughs) or at least that's what gets in your head. And so... Because I can really relate to your point here. Like the center backs are built up from the back. We didn't seem to be able to do our thing, make things work. And you you see what a brilliant shape looks like and how that kind of beats the runs out of the guys in midfield and those other guys. And then you're left with two center backs with the ball passing between each other. 
Nobody quite, you know, what do we do? Do we ping it to Martinelli and Saka again? Yes, that's probably what we did next. Um, and so uh, I, I know what you mean. I don't know where the fault lies in the end, but I did, I did kind of take a step back a couple of times and think, holy shit, have they got 13 guys? Have they got like nine guys in midfield? They just blocked all the lines without even moving. They were just standing there waiting for us to try and do something. That was my take yeah. on it. We didn't have enough bodies, mate. We ran out of fit bodies, Paul. Yeah. And yeah. we, um, so it made it easier for them to target some of our talent, I'm afraid. Um, yeah, I think that's right. They they just seem to be, like, in, on the edge of our third, they seem to have a, just our number in terms of shape as the game went on. And I, th- yeah. I think we kind of ran out of a bit of belief, energy, the runs, and... but But you can't not... You can learn from... I think when you're on the other side of it, you can learn and say, wow, what was that? And how do we, is that what a press looks like? E- even if it's a, a static press, yeah. A good example is their midfield three, right? So they got Curtis Jones, 21-year-old, yep. nice player, surrounded by Henderson and Fabinho, two blokes, done a few laps. Yep. When Henderson goes off, they bring on James Milner, been playing a league about 40 years. And um, and so they, they know where to stand, those guys. And, it, and it's one of those things I feel like there's like a calmness to the way that they press like it's not helter skelter right it's like we know exactly where we need to be we've done this a thousand times and it almost looks effortless a lot of times when Arsenal press it's very haphazard like I know I know they've probably practiced it a lot but it's also it's like with Liverpool it's just all right we I know I need to be here they don't it's more efficient I guess in the movement it's not I'm running around at full tilt here it's just like that 80 percent I'm into the spot that I need to be and now it's really hard for Arsenal to find the passes that we need to make and I think that's something that you could just see that they've been doing this for six years yeah yeah agreed all right so my stock down we kind of covered the Lacazette thing, and I don't really feel like hitting him any harder than we have. I think we know the situation there. I'm going to go with Chaka uh, because he should have been on the pitch tonight, and he should be on the pitch against Burnley. And we've lost Party, and you can fully understand why Party, having just got off the airplane, tired, groggy, trying to make a difference, uh, feeling a bit leggy, how he got himself into trouble, but. Chaka is, you know, he shares the captaincy, whether it's official or not. I mean, uh, that's part of the rationale for why we're supposed to like him. Uh, You don't have to like him like him. You can just like the fact that he's part of your team. He should be here. Um, He's at an age. I I mean, and we all know this stuff. You can say Chaka is Chaka. Um, But I think what people are really saying to themselves is, well, you know, we'll, we'll, uh, here's what I'd say. A, a few weeks ago, we were warming up to Chaka again as part of the setup, as one of our go-forward midfields. And yes, we need to strengthen and we'll, we'll add and we'll have other options. But now we're back to, I think most people are thinking, well, he should go in the summer. And in that sense, Chaka's a stock falling because that's, mm-hmm. he wasn't there a few weeks ago. Um, and I think he's really let himself down and let the team down. And you can say there's nothing new here and this is just who Chaka is. But the reason he's here is for leadership um, and because he's a good midfielder when he keeps his nose cleaned and stays on the pitch. And, uh, you know, we're, we're not going to have party, I guess, at the weekend now for Burnley, correct? Am I wrong there? But Yep, he's got a yeah, one game. Part, yeah. yeah, so... That carries over to the Premier League. So now we're back to Sambi Lakonga in midfield against Burnley in a game that we should walk. But we have an obvious vulnerability. And uh, I, I guess it, you know, do you need, do we need another opportunity to give Chaka kicking? Probably not. But I really think this is, a, you know, compared to Henderson, right? They're both at senior ages. Uh, senior importance in their squad, leadership, etc. But Henderson's going to be on the pitch. And, um, yeah, 
So I'm going to go with Chaka. I don't know if you guys feel like chipping in on no, the Chaka topic. Only thing I, only thing I would maybe add is that the last three games we've had, we've had red cards, and there's an Arsenal template developing about how we lose, and we don't just lose; we we carry something into the next game. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Either an injury or sending off or a major controversy. We don't just lose, you know, and um, and so. You know, Burnley now, Sunday, is massive. Absolutely yeah. massive. And um and we also we've got some minutes in legs. I'm hoping we're not carrying any injuries. Just just reading that Tommy Asses has not trained at all and he played the whole game. That's why there was a kid on the bench who plays right back. No Cedric, no Chambers, obviously Maitland Niles has gone away. And so he said, I will play. Party gets off the plane. I will play. It's obvious Smith-Rowe's not been near training pitch. I will play. Saka's not looking at himself. So they've gone in, They've gone out there and really give it for the manager. And I hope there's not a cost for Burnley because those points are important. Do Burnley have a sit down and get your legs up. And let's yeah, because we have three weeks after that, right? After yeah. the Burnley match, we've got a, a good long break. Hopefully get break. everybody kind of back. Yeah. And- get one back, get to the sort out the transfer window. So what are you going to do? Get those points. I don't care how you get them Sunday. And then um, have a deep breath and then reset for the running. You know, but Burnley is huge. This is why the party yeah. thing has left a bad taste in my mouth. Sure. And I'm like, there's yeah, nobody else to come that back, is there? Is- that was that was pretty soft, right? The first one was first kind one was of soft. a week, yeah. and it's like yeah. ugh. the second one because I know that you like to talk about that, right? It's like, can we just do a little bit of game management of keeping the people yeah. on the field? Did, did we need to punish that one? That, that one can't minute, be that's one it. minute. That's, to that's, go. that's two fouls, right? Two fouls, two cards, and yeah, I think Fabinho. How many, how many fouls he made? Six. I'm just. I don't like doing that, but um, six or seven fouls, and I don't know if you got a card just, yeah. Or. It's just one of those that sucks. Yeah, the first one was soft, and right? it's just like. Come on, man. But we're not getting those breaks. And you got to say, there's a few brain cells missing in some of our players, right? There is. And um, we've got to sort this out because we're just watching. It's too costly. It's too costly. Yeah. And what you need is somebody like a Henderson, or in our case, a Chaka, to tell the other players how to manage their discipline in-game. And unfortunately, our Henderson is Chaka. And like, you know, <laughs> what's he going to do? Have a quiet word to the lads to say, hey, manage yourself in game in terms of, you know, what's he going to say to party? You know, you, you're probably a little foolish there towards the end of the game, Thomas. Um, whether he says it or not, nobody's going to be listening. So, uh, no, and I think I, you can actually even say Lacazette in this one. I mean, I thought he was very close on the edge several times of yeah, looking agreed. like he was about to get sent off, and and he was our captain today, right? So even even today we had that kind of same thing where our captain wasn't necessarily leading by example on trying to use our brain cells here because he had five fouls, and I thought that he very well could have earned himself a, a second yellow. Yeah, I mean Thomas Pye was brilliant against City, right? And then he he went off to the African nations. Yep. So he just restored his reputation with a number of people who were just ready to kick him. He's come back, done the right thing, and then got himself sent off unluckily. We've got a Barryan, we're not sure where his head is. We've got Lacazette, we know he's in departure lounge, although he's great one game and not great the next. We've got Shaka, well, we know he could he can come flying past your window right now with a two footy tackle, or he could be brilliant on the beach. We're not too sure. Our senior players haven't really been consistent this season. And it is a problem because we really, really need them. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And um that's what my that's my go to bed thought. How are we gonna get people to carry this young group when they hit their flat spots or carry injuries? How are we gonna help them? Yeah. Not by getting sent off and things like that. So we've got some work to do there. Yeah. All right. Well, as we look forward to the weekend, of, of course, we have, we'll have the main pod tomorrow. But this l- starting lineup today, I mean, that's going to be the starting lineup against Burnley, isn't it? There's nobody else coming back. This is, this is probably it. Um, yeah, I don't hope we haven't lost anybody. <laughs> well, we brought in Party and we lost him again. So we're back to the starting 11. This is probably it for Burnley, isn't it? I think so, unless we sign a uh, hundred million pound centre forward in the meantime. But I don't mm-hmm. see it happening, right? So, yeah, not not in time for Sunday, right? Or yeah. maybe uh, it has, it has to be done tomorrow, right? Yeah, 
Mar- Arthur Mallow's agent not only came to bring Edu or to meet Edu, but he also brought Arthur Mello with him and left him behind. Maybe he'll be ready for the weekend, but I guess this is it then. This will be our 11. So, all right, let's let's wrap it up there. I don't know what snappy thing I'm supposed to say at the end of this for our, our podcast, our instant reaction wrap-up, but um, I guess that's it's it. It's just we'll block Yankee Gunner, right? That's, that's, block that's Yankee the main Gunner. Thing. Uh, uh, and we'll see you after 10, Arsenal. Burnley 27. <laughs> and uh, we'll see you on the main pod uh, tomorrow then. So th- thanks, Clive. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you very much. Thanks, Scott. Thanks for chipping in there. No problem. Even though I loved every minute of it, right? Because I'm a Judas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, that was Scott at O underscore that underscore Judas. And uh, we'll see you tomorrow on the main pod. Bye, everybody. Okay, that'll do it. I hope you enjoyed the pod, uh, if not the subject matter. And uh, we'll definitely be back on a regular schedule next week, um, both on the main channel and on the Patreon channel and everything. But I hope everyone has a good weekend. I hope that the Burnley game goes forward and we dominate and we can all feel a lot better on Monday. So that'll do it today. We love you and we will talk to you after Arsenal 10, Burnley 0. make decisions for your company you always look for the no-brainers and if you have a lot of mailing and shipping to do stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer it streamlines your process to make your business more efficient which makes you less busy mail checks invoices legal documents books and everything you need to keep your business running with stamps.com seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart if you sell online Schedule package pickups through the dashboard and automatically see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers with rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are, even on the go. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other business decision makers with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com, code PROGRAM.